Oh fuck, he's gone. <laughs> he's gone, gone again. <laughs> that is an issue. You, Gav, are you judging it? Yes. So he wants to be Gav. Gav. You can do the best Gav impression. Uh, I think yours is pretty good, man. Yeah, yours is good one. One years, years of him doing a Mark Owen impression in place of you and passing it off as you. You've got a, you've got a score to settle here, man. <laughs> Hey, it's me, it's Gav. I'm putting it on the hit list. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. I'm Gav. I'm Alex. Joel. I'm Dave. And I'm Austin. And this week, we're putting the festive sequel, Home Sweet Home Alone, on trial. Is it playfully throwing a brick off a three-story window into somebody's face? (laughs) Or is it, at the very least, the very least attempted murder? (laughs) All I'm saying is maybe there's a reason Kevin McAllister never appeared in another Home Alone after Home Alone 2. Because that psychopath is serving a very long, well-earned stretch in prison. Anyway, we're essentially going to find out if this film will be placed on our esteemed hit list or our steaming shit list. Now, before we go on to the trial, our last film on trial was Red Notice. Now, Dave, you judged that trial and you deemed that Red Notice should be placed on the shit list. Now, you've since gone away and you've watched the film, so did you make the right call or not? Uh, I am conflicted about this one because there's no illusions about Red Notice. You know, you just need to look at the poster, forget the trailer, and you know what you're letting yourself in for. And yet it's enjoyable enough. You know, The Rock is charismatic. Ryan Reynolds is charismatic. It's enjoyable enough, but is it? it's not a good film, no. So I think I'm erring towards, yeah, I did put it in the right place. I enjoyed it to a point. It got quite dull. I was uh, checking my watch quite a bit as it went on. Mm-hmm. Alex is quite right. Ryan Reynolds is getting a shtick if he's not already had it for decades and we've barely noticed. It was, yeah, painfully unoriginal as well. Yeah, it, it's not a well-made film, but it is enjoyable. You know, you could do worse, but I yeah. do think I've made the right call. Yeah, yeah. It, enjoyable and charismatic, but there's something you can't put your finger on. Something quite dull and irritating about it. Yeah, where's Pretty much going? sums up Aussie, doesn't it, really? Ah, uh, it's good. It was Aussie, not me. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, though, I would have to agree. Even The Rock couldn't stay Red Notice. Yeah. But he, Will Ferrell Jr. Right <laughs> I'm glad I wasn't available for the Red Notice. Final. <laughs> couldn't have defended that. I know. Well, well done for watching the film, even though you didn't pitch up to the trial, has he? Hey. It's usually the other way around. So you pitch up to the trial, but you never watch the film. So, <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, you'll be happy to hear, Dave and Alex especially, that I don't have a formal complaint to make this week. Hooray. So uh, just asking, do, do you Nor have should any? should you. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, if you two have any that you would like to raise... I think the system we've got is impartial and perfect. So I have no, I don't think we, I don't think we need any more complaints procedures. I think we complain enough during the trial. I think, I think <laughs> to carry it on is, is a bit yeah, too but, far. Did you have a formal complaint last week? I've not listened to the road notice yet. Mm-hmm. Look, you didn't pitch up to the trial, didn't even bother listening to the recording. Honestly, like, are you trying to rile me up on purpose here? <laughs> Yeah, we did have formal complaints. I made a complaint about Dave's quiz in which I believe 
that I should have received top marks for, but I didn't. And it's the second quiz in the space of a week that I received less than top marks for when I should have. Uh, <laughs> but that is a, that, that other quiz, that is a complaint that I'm going to file appropriately, I will say. Uh, <laughs> Leonard, judge, I agree with that complaint, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so now, now on to the trial itself. All of the roles have been picked out of the hat at random. So acting in defense and trying to get this film placed on the hate list is a man who shares Peter McAllister's almost preposterous to explain, but definitely not drug dealer related wealth. It's Aussie. <laughs> you're very similar to uh, peter mccaster to be honest you you know you wear long coats you've got a nice house you've got lots of wealth that we can't explain you're probably a drug dealer you know (laughs) and nobody knows who's who's kids are either (laughs) Uh, yeah and he just yeah not once not not once has he been there for his children who loves orange soda (laughs) keenan loves orange no 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 (laughs) <laughs> and, and during the Gazi is a man who seemingly shares Harry and Marv's wardrobe. It's Alex. <laughs> uh, that's that's a bit unfair because Alex has started dressing like an adult these days. Uh, so fair play. He's probably the most dapper dressed out of all of us these days. Thanks, Gav. Thanks, Gav. <laughs> and th- th- uh, acting as prosecution and trying to get this film placed on the shit list is a man who shares Kevin McAllister's likability and gosh darn cuteness. It's Dave. <laughs> And joining him is a man who whoa, shares whoa, Kevin McAllister's... Move along. Whoa, move along. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Me and Ozzy, I think you put it, I, I think we can see where we're getting, getting a little bit biased here. I'm going to save my judgment for Joel's, and then I'm putting a fucking formal complaint. Okay, okay, okay. That's, that's I've, I've, been ro- I've been roasted. Move along. Okay. And joining him is a man who shares Kevin McAllister's cold, calculating, borderline, murderous tendencies. It's Joel. Okay. <laughs> Now, just like real court advocates, the defense and prosecution will be making the best case for their roles. Now, these may or may not be their real opinions, though, so do stay tuned until the end of the episode to hear their real thoughts. And in the role of the judge, who has to decide which list the film should be placed on, hit or shit based solely on the arguments put to him, is a man who shares fuller McAllister's inability to control his bodily functions. It's me! (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> see look look I, I roast myself uh, so there you go so dave is the only one who got off there lightly and I've, i don't know why i'll have to double down next week oh. i would say you're like the the south bend shovel slayer like a pale frail looking old man <laughs> I, I would too as well uh, uh, yeah or, or maybe one of the bodies that he dissolves in his vat of salt <laughs> Now, before we get started, I think that we should probably give the audience a a bit of a better understanding as to what this film is all about. So let us spin the Wheel of Impressions. Oh, it's not making a noise again. I went all the way to go and get it, and its batteries are dying. It's landed on a question mark, which, as we decided last week, is judge's pick, and the judge gets to pick who should do the impression. And just because he's pissed me off so much before the recording started, Ozzy is going to read out the impression. (laughs) And and I get to pick who we should... (laughs) What we do here is we read off the synopsis of the film in the style of one of the cast or characters from the film. So, Ozzy, I would like you to read it out in the style of... Harry from Home Alone's one and two, uh, while he's doing that sort of Russian sugar, British sugar. Whenever he gets hurt and he doesn't want to swear because it's a, a PG film, he just makes these sort of like motley type sounds. Okay, I'm gonna give it a go. A married couple tries to steal back a valuable heirloom from a troublesome kid. 
<laughs> that that was actually really really good. So well done, Ozzy. Thank you. <laughs> you I should have done that my um, little goat from uh, Hercules uh, impression last time, shouldn't I? All right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyway, so moving on, <laughs> let's kick off proceedings. So on to the trial. So defence, Alex and or Ozzy. Can I ask for a quick little overview of this film? And give us a few positives. Why should it be on the hit list? Now, just just to let you know beforehand, I absolutely love Home Alone's 1 and 2. And I think Home Alone's 3 and 4 are pretty all right as well. And, all right, well, yeah. great. Well. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and I'm, still, I'm still on the fence about Home Alone 5 as well. So <laughs> it's, it's ours to lose then, my God. I didn't even know they'd done a fourth one, to be honest, Home Alone. Um, so if you like Home Alone, there's a lot here for you. You're probably going to enjoy this film. The plot is... Stop, stop where you are. The plot is there's Max, who's a, a child. And obviously, because you know Home Alone, you're starting to think, right, Max is the kid. He's the main kid, so he's going to be the one that's Home Alone. As knowing it, you're kind of going into this film thinking, right, there's going to be some villains. There's going to be a kid who's Home Alone. And if I'm honest, before I started watching this film, it was yesterday. I was like, I can't be bothered watching this because I feel I can pretty much write it already. So you've got Max who goes to this open house that's being held by Pam and Jeff, Ellie Kemper and Rob Delaney and goes around it because he needs a toilet, gets talking to them and basically that's 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 almost it. Anyway, this open house couple, Pam and Jeff, they're selling the house not because they really want to but because they've fallen on hard times. Jeff uh, has lost his job and they need money to keep the house going. They realise, Jeff realises, that one of these weird little dolls that he's keeping actually turns out to be a, a very collectible valuable and is worth like 200 grand. But, uh-oh, the doll's gone missing. And he remembers talking to Max and he thinks, right, Max has got the doll. He's nicked it. Okay, oh dear. Desperately wants to stay in the house. So what's he going to have to do? He's going to have to go and get this doll back. And this is where... I started going, oh, I started waking up a bit during the film because I was like, who are the villains? You've got this house, but you've got these other couple. And then you start to realise the thieves, the people who are going to be sort of doing the home invasion are Rob Delaney and Ellie Kemper, who are actually very relatable, lovely people. And you start, and that's when the sort of film came alive for me a bit, when I realised, oh, okay, this is different. This is really, really different. You haven't got, you know, Home Alone 1 and 2 basically was kind of a, a kind of a rerun of the same thing but one was in new york you know it's very interesting obviously classic classic films like die hard for kids. Just went, i know you <laughs> like it say again gaff it's like die hard for kids <laughs> die hard for kids yeah and then uh home alone 3 just went off the wall i'm sorry gather i know this might be by bringing in some computer chip that they want to sell to terrorists or something which wasn't very home alone -y. this one is very home alone -y but has done really interesting things by making the villains relatable, interesting characters, played by, and this is the best part of the film, played by the fantastic Ellie Kemper from The American Office and Rob Delaney from Catastrophe. So they realise the doll is in the house. Jeff goes round to try and get the doll back and inadvertently finds out like uh, where the key is kept and the alarm while the family are leaving to go, go away. Max is left all in his own, so you have the Home Alone bit where he's like, you know, eating cereal and he's, you know, playing Hot Wheels around the whole house and stuff like that. So you get all of that stuff. And then they start to basically, Pam and Jeff start to break bad, basically, by desperately needing this doll. So, you know, by needing to keep their house going, which is a nice, it's a nice reason for them to be thieves. 
they start to have these comic misunderstandings. They think no one's in the house. Then they realize Max is in, but they also hear like the Alexa. So they think the grandma's in the house. Uh, he thinks that they're talking about getting his doll back, but he misunderstands that as they're going to try and get him and kidnap him. So it's basically a lot of comic misunderstanding. The home invasion happens fantastically done with a lot of slapstick comedy. And it ends up where the misunderstanding is cleared and spoilers, you know, everyone's happy at the end. So it's really interesting. And I and I just thought it was just, but what, what kept me going was I was not looking forward to the home loan. So I just thought this is just going to be paint by numbers cash in. And it wasn't. I think the fact that you got Dan Mazer as the director and before he's done stuff like Ali G and written a lot of Satcha Baron Cohen stuff, gave a bit of the comedy a little bit of an edge that it needed. And it's got enough about it where it's still Home Alone. It's still got a lovely Christmas message, but it's enough of its own thing to be rewatched. And I would rewatch this film. It was um, a good Christmas film and these don't come along very often. Oh, okay. So comedy's got a bit of an edge. Good Christmas film. Very Home Alone-y, but makes the villains relatable. One thing I didn't quite follow, maybe it's because uh, I was, wasn't listening to Alex properly, which, you know, <laughs> come on. <laughs> I'm only human. Uh, was it the case that in the villain's house, Pam and Jeff's house, they're trying to sell the house or they don't want to sell the house. There's an open uh, house and it's their doll that's gone missing. Correct, yeah. yeah so yeah. They, 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 they're on hard times, so they need to sell a house. They've got an open house. The kid, Max, stumbles upon this doll because they're like in the process of emptying it. He's like, oh, that's a really ugly doll. His mum comes to get him and she's like, oh, is that one of those dolls I saw on the auction show? One of them went for like £5,000 and she bought it for a tenner or something like that. So then later that night when they're talking about how poor they are, he goes on eBay and he sees that that doll, the ugliest doll that they had, the one that they kid 200 up, grand, yeah. 200 grand. Well, okay, so, so what happened to that doll who did nick it in the end? Was it down the back of the couch? No, it oh, might as well have been too much. There was a um, there's a one of the when the family comes, their family comes and they've got a kid who's like a real spoiled brat who's a getaway with everything, but he's like a kleptomaniac, and right. he takes he takes it. So just after the kid arrives, when he goes back to look, might have gone back. Yeah, so yeah. The, the family that turn up are rich. bring back corporal punishment, eh, Alex? Exactly. Exactly. That was Alex. Okay. <laughs> Alex said it with his eyes. Uh, <laughs> Nothing. Uh, okay. So, so prosecution, right? What, what is wrong with this? I like Home Alone one, two, three, four, maybe five. Why wouldn't I like this? But do you like Bone Alone? I, I am ambivalent. <laughs> Imagine Bone Alone, but even worse. And you've got, and you've got this film. Oh, wow. Like, I think I said before, like, uh, what kind of make makes Home Alone so great is the time that it was made, essentially, because you couldn't get away with doing all those things now, like setting all those traps, like they'd kill the burglars, you know, 10 times over, they'd have the heads smashed in, you know, the heads would explode, whatever. Um, so you just couldn't do that anymore. And it comes across very well back then. And that's what it made that film so fun. Over the years. Tried, yeah, over the years, you know, like, you just can't do that anymore. And so what they've tried to do is something similar, but make it make maybe a little bit more child-friendly and just kind of water it down a little bit. So it's more of a, a kind of family-orientated film. So and you're just, saying that like some of the what made Home Alone's one and two really good are the like the slapstick humor and the, the violence of it all. It, it disguised in like a PG-friendly way, but here it takes off some of that edge to make exactly. it more. So yeah. 
Okay. Like the, there's no kind of peril, maybe, you know, in Home Alone mm-hmm. 1, uh, you you always kind of feel like Kevin is in danger. You know, the, the burglars are, are kind of after him and he, he is actually Home Alone, but you don't get this here. You never really feel like the kid is actually alone and you never really feel like the traps that he's set in and things like that are actually going to cause any type of harm. I, I would say Bone Alone, honestly, has a better plot. It's a better thought out film and it's probably better acted as well. And when I saw the cast list for this film, which I'm sure we'll go into later, I was actually quite pleasantly surprised. You know, it's got Keenan from Keenan and Kel, and that for me was enough. I really like Keenan Thompson. I, I, I do know the cast list for this. I haven't watched the film. I haven't read any reviews. I haven't even watched the trailer. Uh, and I know the. I, I just know the cast list though, and I know that it's full of really, really good stars. Yeah, exactly, uh, it's got it's got Ellie Kemper from The Office. You know, one of my most loved programs. And thirty minutes into this, I just wanted to cry because it's terrible. And the whole the whole thing that I've said before, like what makes Home Alone Home Alone, it's just been gutted from this film. So what's left is just you know an empty shell. And it's probably even beyond that. I would say it's one of the worst films that we've ever reviewed on this podcast. So Wow. Wow. Okay. And right. I mean, we've, we've reviewed some shit on this <laughs> yeah, podcast. We really have. Wow. Mainly brought Joel. to the table by me. see. <laughs> I mean, pretty strong words from Joel there. You know, not only is this one of the worst films that we've ever reviewed, but Joel, who seemingly is unable to cry, was brought to tears by how poor <laughs> this film was. I, you know, I, I beg to differ. And I think the thing with this, what makes it quite clever is that you now have the villains are actually no longer the villains in this way. The kid is, he's a little shit, you know, the same way Kevin McAllister was a little shit, but he was the goody in the last well, one. This time round. You can't everyone, just go around calling kids you know, little shits, does he? Well, I, well mean, I mean, some of them deserve it, don't they, Alex? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, so this time around, actually, you, you you feel a little bit more of an affinity with them. They're real people this time. You know, they've got a genuine reason to be breaking in. They're not just robbers for the sake of being robbers. They're just, you know, they're, they're desperate in this sense. So in, in some ways, you can, you can understand them. And I, I just thought it was quite clever. And then they get around a lot of the... The, the talk where people say that oh you can never do home alone again in this day and age because of uh, mobile phones and whatever you just ring the house up but they don't because they don't have a house phone so they get around who has a house phone these days it's not 1993 there's loads of quite fun throwbacks to the original it's very knowing that it's no longer it's not home alone and they're remaking a classic you know they quite aptly bring that up you know there's a there's a scene where they're watching a classic film or a remake of a classic film and they say something along the lines of oh you can't make a Every time they try to remake a classic, it's absolute shit. You know, oh, hey, some clever writing there. Yeah, but you know, it's 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 knowing because I think they they're well aware that they're going to get slated by fans of the original. Nobody wants things to change, but in this, they've done just enough. Do you uh, think there was either that is them saying we know we shit, so we're going to put this in as like a little bit of a gag? No, I I I did think that at first, but actually, no, I, I think they're really playing up to the to the to what they're involved with. They're, they're involved in a kid's film, and they've done a great job of, of modernising Home Alone. I can't imagine you're going to get many more films out of it. Like, you're not going to get another three Home Alones out of it and make it make it survive. But they've got one genuinely good and funny uh, take on it. It's quite refreshing. You know, it's, it's a real good throwback. And shit be refreshing? I, like... If you polish it enough. <laughs> I imagine it as well, if it's a long, hot day and you get a liquid cold <laughs> shit thrown at you, it probably could be refreshing. 
I've taken a refreshing <laughs> shit, as I'm sure we all have. Sure. I felt refreshed. Let, let, got, let, let's get off the there. topic of refreshing shit. Dave, I'm going to bring you into this at the apt moment here. <laughs> so I would say that one of the things about the first Home Alone, it was Joel that touched upon this when he mentioned peril. Harry and Marv are dangerous criminals and they you know there's the fear there that kevin mccarthy could get murdered at some point but then there's also mm. the peril for them as well because the traps that kevin mccarthy is setting up are very very dangerous so i i like alex's point in that he's made you're making these two essentially the villains aren't really the villains because they're relatable but what does that do for the stakes in the film if they're not seen as the, the bad guys and max isn't in any sort of danger what are the stakes like? Well, minimal, to be honest with you. I mean, Max might think that he's going to be kidnapped and sold because he's misheard what they said and he's a bit of an idiot. But that's not on the cards at any point. The audience know that's not on the cards. I think it's a huge mistake making the villains. They're not villains. They're not bad people at all. They're good, but you really sympathize with them. You know, he's lost his job. He feels inferior next to his brother. They're going to lose their house. And they found this old heirloom that is now worth money, and they think, they genuinely think Max has stolen it. He hasn't done, he stole a soda from them or something else. That was what was in his pocket. Uh, he stole a soda for some reason. That's why they think, oh, it's the doll, we've got to get the doll, but they do need to get the doll back, you know, and the family's out of town, you know, desperation must. And that's why you feel sorry for them. That's why they're not really good villains. They're not, well, they're not villains. And that's the problem with the first one. And the first one, you know, Harry and Marv were bad guys. They may have been funny, they may have, uh, they may have been fun to watch, but they were bad guys. And you're cheering for the, the adorable Kevin McAllister, you know, who's a good kid. He's an, a great watch. You know, he's enjoyable uh, to watch in, in the film and he's a likable kid. You're wanting him to beat the bad guys and remain triumphant. Max Mercer is not a likable kid. He is arrogant. He is uh, quite unpleasant. He's snobby. He is insulting to Rob Delane. He says he looks like Frankenstein's monster when he meets him. You know, this is a brat of a kid. You don't like him at all. If ever there was a kid you wanted to get beaten in a home invasion, this is it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not what home, you're meant to be cheering for the kid. This is home alone. And the people that he's hurting with these traps are, are an innocent married couple that, you know, you don't want to see any harm come to. And the traps are a bit, you know, I mean, I know the traps in the original home alone. You know, you look back at it and part of the fun is that you do wince when, when the iron hits Marv in the face or when he puts his foot on that spike on the stairs. You are wincing because these are, do look like painful traps. But, you know, him putting thumbtacks into the end of a Nerf gun and then firing it into Ellie Kemper's face. It's just like, this isn't fun, actually. You know, because you not feel sorry fiction, for her. Do you know what I mean? It's not like the scene where he... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? He hasn't got... It's not like he's got it and he's, like, firing it into his into her head. It's done in a fun, like, quite a kind of comedy way. In a yeah. kind of comedy way, but it doesn't land. And the reason it doesn't land is because you don't like the kid. You're not cheering for him to be victorious. And you do like... The people that are the home invaders in one in this instance, you do actually feel quite sorry for, and that's not home alone. You know that the the person at home whose home is being invaded, being the bad guy, and the people doing the home invading being the good guys. You know that's not home alone. That's the wrong way around. That's that's martyrs. You know, it's, it's completely <laughs> the wrong way around. And yeah, I don't like that take on it. And uh, you know, the uh, the comedy is not as edgy as it could have been. Dan Mazer directed this. He wrote Ali G in the house and Bruno and Borat, and he's done a lot of good writing there. He had nothing to do with the writing of this. There is no edge to this writing whatsoever. This is written by Mikey Day and Street Asidal. 
Mikey Day is on a little bit of SNL writing. Street Asidal uh, got a contract with Disney. He's largely untested. He's got a couple of up-and-coming projects in the pipeline. <laughs> well, oh, he did before this was released anyway. Um, oh. Remains to be seen, but the writing is not good <laughs> enough. It's meow. 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 <laughs> it's self-referential, sure. There are plenty of Easter eggs here and nods to the far superior film that came before it. To be honest with you, they probably should have done well enough alone and, and not touched the original, not made so many references. They've kind of done themselves a huge disservice. And yeah, because he said, you know, they, maybe they've done it because they know it'll be slated by fans. It'll also be slated by critics and general audience goers and, you know, previously impartial viewers who had no problem with the film but will come out fuming. Wow. Okay. Well, firstly, I think we need to just double check on the writers of Home Sweet Home Alone because <laughs> they, they got some big roasting during that. Hey, if Dick Miller can survive a roasting, then oh, well, we oh, don't know wait. if he did, Dave. We don't know if he did. <laughs> I, I, yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Okay, uh, so Alex, right, Dave mentions, touched upon the traps in this. Now, I know the traps are sort of like the action, but also for me, in the first two Home Alone films especially, they were a big source of the comedy in the films. Seeing Harry and Marv fall foul of all of these horrendous traps was pretty funny. You wanted to see it happen. You wanted to see it again. Can you yeah. touch upon those? Are they, are they funny? Are they well done? And just in general, we've got an incredibly funny cast here. You've mentioned Rob Delaney, Ellie Kemper. I know Ashling B's in it, who we really love as well. So, you know, some really funny people. What is the comedy like? So, like, we keep saying it's not Home Alone, but it's not Home Alone 1 and 2, and it shouldn't be. And I can see why people would not like it. They'd go in, I want a Home Alone film, but just watch the first and the second film. This film needed to do it in a different way, and I, I think it's actually... I, I thought it was quite brave. I thought it was quite clever the way they've kept parts of the Home Alone stuff. So they've kept like Buzz is in it. Buzz comes in as a cop and he's still in the area and he like, you know, he's part of the plot. You know, they call in a fake call or the mum says, oh, my son's at home and rings. And he like Buzz is a cop and says, no, 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 it's a prank. My brother Kevin always pulls this prank in because we left him at home, blah, blah, blah. So Buzz is in it. So it... You know, it's got a remake of the Filthy Animal bit and stuff like that. And it's got all the house to yourself. And yeah, the slapstick at the end, Dave was saying the stakes are a bit lower. But yeah, they, they are a bit lower. There's still, you know, there's still Rob Delaney getting hit with a, a golf ball in the head. Uh, Ellie Kemper's feet being set on fire and, you know, Coke bottles with Mentos being put in and flowing, flying around them. So there is elements of that. But the film knows it needs to do that a little bit, but it's not spending an age doing it, okay? So, because you've seen that film before and it's it's Home Alone 1 and it's Home Alone 2. What this film does instead is it sort of mines its own rich comedy vein, which is Ellie Kemper and Rob Delaney breaking bad, basically. These middle-class couple who are kind of inoffensive, she's a teacher, he's kind of like a, a bit of a loser who's lost his job to the cloud. It's kind of an ongoing joke that he's... You know, the like, you know, sort of a 21st century man who's been, you know, put out of, you know, put out by a machine, basically. But, you know, it's the cloud that sort of put him out of work. I, I thought the comedy was really funny. And I know, you know, Dave's saying that the director doesn't, I don't think it's fair to say the director doesn't have anything to do with the script and what goes into, you know, goes into his films. I don't think you can say that the director well, has he's, he's not credited. Well, yeah, but I think he's, as the director, he's kind of overseeing the whole thing. He, th there are some really good jokes <laughs> in this. I, I And, you know, there's bits where... Because obviously there's the sort of slapstick thing for the kids and stuff. And I, I think that lands. But again, it's not spending loads of time. It's not like the first and second film where you're just building all the way up to that scene. It does it, but it's not the main element it's going for. 
You've got the kid, Max, who has this, you know, these funny bits when he's doing the home and he's got all of his sweets and stuff like that. He dresses up like Tony Montana. And I found this shocking. I was really surprised. And he has a huge big pile of M&Ms in front of him. And he just puts his head in the M&Ms. You know, you're like, great. Kids wouldn't get it. Adults will love it because they're just like, they're doing this, you know, what it's got, you know, it's fantastic. Rob Delaney is brilliant in this. And his sort of, like I say, the Breaking Bad thing, the B&E, when he starts to sort of open, it really does bring it, you know, the stakes are low, but it doesn't have to be high. He's just terrified about breaking in and he thinks, you know, he thinks police are coming after him and he's just completely paranoid about these things. Again, such a rich comedy vein to mine and they really go for it. There's an OJ joke in this film where she says, oh like, gosh. you know, is it a crime? Is it a crime to steal back what's already been stolen from from us? And Ellie Kemper goes like, yeah, yeah, but that's what got OJ the second time. The second time, that's what got OJ. You know, and that isn't that isn't what you would normally see in a sort of Home Alone. So it does have a bit of bite to it. There's a bit where she's saying, uh, oh, uh, I, I guess what you need to do is clear your search history. Do you know how to clear your search history? <laughs> and he's like, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I do know how to get it. I think there's lots of funny jokes in this. It's, it's got a good comedy. It's not Home Alone 1 and 2. And if you wanted to see those films, I think what we'd do, if, if they'd done a remake, which is what the prosecution is sort of saying they should have done, then all we'd be is we'd be sat here and then just be saying they've ripped off the first two films. What's the point in watching this one? It's trying to do something a little bit different. It's kept enough of the Home Alone lore and enough of it to still be a Home Alone film, but it's taken a few brave steps and it's made these villains relatable, interesting villains, which in the end is an extremely Christmassy message. So I thought the comedy was really fun. It did make me laugh out loud. And I think all of the choices it made were done on purpose. And I think I think they, they, they pulled it off. I think if they'd just done Home Alone, six or whatever we're on now everyone would just be like what's the point just watch the first two films you can't redo those films and they didn't okay so dave just touching upon that the one note i've made here from alex was towards the end when he's essentially said that we should free all hardened prisoners from life sentences in prison because uh-huh. it's Christmas. Yeah, uh, Alex, I'm, I'm you know, paraphrasing here, but was that right? <laughs> no, no, that was pretty much what I was saying, yeah. <laughs> okay, right. So, Dave, Alex did mention a lot of funny dialogue there. I was laughing at a lot of the things he was saying, especially the references to things that you wouldn't really necessarily think would be covered in a Disney film in 2021, especially. Mm-hmm. So... How is the comedy, how does it not work? And also touching upon the traps, as I said before, one of the biggest selling points for Home Alone is these traps. And they're big, they're very visceral, they're very funny. How do they work in this film as well? Not so well. I don't I don't much care for the traps, to be honest with you. Like Alex said, they pretty much gloss over the actual home invasion bit, probably because you're not meant to enjoy watching Ellie Kemper and Rob Delaney get their asses handed to them by these traps. But the traps are quite implausible. You know, the good thing about Home Alone 1 is that although the traps were like a bit fantastical, they were still practical. That This could happen. You could imagine that someone with the right ingenuity could design a trap like that. There's one where he basically freezes these icicles above uh, the garden path and then as Rob Delaney chase him where he not as he cuts off the icicles he's got kind of a, a cable tied around the guttering that like cuts the icicles down and they crash around Rob Delaney as he's running like that is too far-fetched that would never happen you'd never be able to time that right you'd never be able to get the icicles up it's um that... <laughs> are we you're not 
picking a plot point around a booby trap in a kid's film. No, my point is... Along the, the lines of Home... Like, literally a Home Alone sequel. The problem <laughs> with the Home, Home Alone 1, the traps... You could believe a kid could come up. Oh with shit! These. Could you? Believe <laughs> it could. Uh, someone with the right ingenuity, this trap could work. I mean, honestly, to one, be fair, you know, like hailing a painted, attached a bit of rope over a banister is the most elaborate of plans. Exactly, it's <laughs> like, doable. They do that in this one. They've just tried to be a bit cleverer. Like, if by clever, you mean fucking stupidly shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've got to go with Joel on this what? one. It's what? like the VR thing, you know. He, after he knocks out Rob Delaney, he's shooting a billiard me. ball into, a head, into his head. He puts a VR headset on him while he's knocked out, and he gets up and thinks he's been transported to the Grand Canyon. So he's like, "Oh shit, where have you taken yeah. me?" And he's walking around the house with the VR headset, and he runs into the wall yeah. and knocks down some shelves. It's like you just wake up and be like, "Why hang somebody on. put no. a VR headset on me?" I, no, I know he's just taking a blow to the head. But also the VR and the VR headset doesn't work because it's like he's looking down and he sees himself. He's wearing a Santa suit. That's how they the work. So he looks down and he sees himself in the Santa suit in virtual reality. And it's like that's not how they work. And it's like yeah, they've come up with an idea, but they've not got the finesse. They've not put the time that to was, actually fine tune these was traps. Genuinely a funny scene. It, re- it wasn't though. That's the problem. That's the issue. When Steve bought get... that Oculus Rift, that's why yeah. I did to Steve. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you knocked him out. Put a bit of Santa costume. Shit, I did that to Steve as well, Ozzy. He thinks he's in Berlin. Oh. I mean, if you're there, I bet it's funny. And that's the problem. These writers are there and they think it's funnier than it actually is when you're just watching a film of it happening. Uh, the comedy is, there are some chuckles to be had here. There are a couple of jokes that do land, but we're talking a couple in a film that is meant to be a family-friendly comedy. And it's not enough. You know, there were a couple of moments where I did I had a wry smile at a couple of the jokes. Some of them land, some of them do, but not enough. We're talking about maybe 10 Jokes, maybe a dozen, if I'm being generous, that actually will raise a smile. Probably not a laugh, but a smile. And that's as good as it's going to get. And I think it it, it owes a lot to the cast. Like Joel said, on paper, this is a really good cast. You know, these are comedy actors. And, you know, God, they try. They really do try. No one phones it in. They give it everything they've got, but the script is leaden. It is just not funny. The plot doesn't make sense. This even, you know, you say, oh, it's a Disney kids film. And it's like, that doesn't give you the right to dine in on a classic and phone it in. Especially if you're going to be dining out on John Hughes's memory, who gets a credit in this, which I actually found insulting. You know, story by, <laughs> story by the two writers I mentioned, uh, Mikey Day and Street Decidal, and John Hughes. And it's just like, no, he came up with the concept decades ago. Don't drag him down. <laughs> John Hughes is dead. He cannot, he cannot have anything to do with it. <laughs> leave, leave John Hughes alone. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, when we, when we were doing Home Sweet Home Alone, an argument from the prosecution wasn't that it's insulting to the memory to of dead. <laughs> no, to it be is. fair though, Dave. To be fair, are they including him because they're including Buzz McAllister in it, and he's a character created by John Hughes? Do you think that they is can it? put character created by John Hughes? They don't have to say story by him. <laughs> true, That's a, true. That is a a broad <laughs> sweeping paintbrush. No. There. I think and it's not you... something that John Hughes deserves to be tainted with. The man was talented. Or said just based on based on a story by John. No, it says story by Mike Day, Street Asylum, and John Hughes. Oh, okay. And I'm sorry, I, that is insulting. It genuinely, genuinely, they should have left. John John Hughes's name well away from this. It's insulting to his name. <laughs> right, and okay. I, no bullshit. Wow. wow. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> Mo- moving on from John Hughes's vengeful spirit. I'll <laughs> uh, see. I'm going to come to you because I want to know a little bit about the cast. This sounds yep. like a tremendous cast. It it's sounds a- like that the Dave said as well that they are giving it their all, but they just haven't got the material to work with. Do you disagree? No, well, you know what? A little, a little, a little bit. So the thing for me, right, is that I'm not a big fan of the American office. Not really. Like little bits of it. I've seen clips, you know. I'm not a massive Ellie Kemper fan, to be absolutely honest, in any of the American office stuff. But after a few minutes, you know, let's it's probably 10, 12 minutes worth of this. I got on board with with her and with Rob Delaney and with the American humor. And and I genuinely enjoyed it. And I didn't think I was going to because I'm I'm completely not an American office fan. And um, and I just thought it was just not going to be for me in the slightest. And and I, I really got on board with what she was doing. I, so from that point of view, they're the main characters. They're everything that's, that's hinging on this. You know, you've got Ashleen B. Uh, Aileen B? I don't know. Ashleen B. Ashleen. And, and at first, when she starts talking, I was like, why has she got an English accent? And then completely clicked on is that the Americans wouldn't click on that she's an Irish and lives in London. They've got no chance of, of, of grasping that. She's great. I mean, are we trying to offend as many people as possible on this episode? Yeah, well, I was, I, There's poor writers. John Hughes's, John Hughes's spirit. The whole of America. I, I am defending John Hughes's spirit <laughs> when none will do so. Not, is that a sentence you thought you were going to... When you woke up this morning, is that a sentence you thought you were going to be saying? Not even in the top ten. <laughs> I am defending John Hughes's spirit. It, it crossed my mind that if I offend enough people, we'll get really high listeners on this one. Like, I mean, I offended yeah. two people. You offended a nation. I know, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but no, the, no, but the Pierce Morgan approach to her journalism. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, no, but genuinely, I, I think uh, she does a great job. She's she's actually really funny in this as well. Archie Yates is the kid from Jojo Rabbit, Rabbit which I saw pretty recently. And, and I hate child actors, but he's funny in this. He's a little shit, but he's, you know, I think he's, he, he Aren't they all though, eh, Alex? <laughs> <laughs> but he does his job really well, and um, and 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 he and he he genuinely plays the part of what's essentially a spoiled brat who thinks he's getting what he wants by hang, by hiding from the family and then having the household to himself. And and he does a fantastic job. I think cast wise, they've nailed it on here. Like everyone's a caricature of the person that they're meant to be, and I think it just makes it so easy for a child to, to grasp. Okay, and I, I I thought it was really fun. Great holiday film. Lovely stuff. Okay, right, Joel. Obviously, mentions that these are caricatures, but in in a good way. You know what you're going to get with these characters. They're very well written and they're very well delivered. This film is just a shit stain on the CV of these actors. Uh, like where, when when they go for their next job and they hand their little CV and the director's looking through the films, he's going to go, yeah, 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 you know, you'll let them off a few bad ones and he's going to get to this and he, there's just going to be like a long, awkward pause and he'll just kind of look up from his script and be like, we'll, we'll let you know. And they're, they're, <laughs> they're never going to hear from them again because, as I said, I, I, before I watched this film, I looked up who was in it and I was pleasantly surprised. But the whole lot of them are just absolutely terrible. And you just kind of get the sense that they don't want to be there, which is absolutely fair enough because I wouldn't want to be there even if you were paying me like 200k a day or whatever. I still probably wouldn't even want to be there. So 
the whole thing is just a, a disaster and there's there's no kind of you know likability between the characters as well like we've spoken before about the original home alone which obviously we've mentioned a lot but at least with kevin you kind of sided with him you had marv and, and and those guys and you kind of although you 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 know wanted them to get battered and that type of thing you also kind of secretly liked them as well because they were they played their parts really well essentially they came across you know as the, as the bad guys the villains as dave said the lines are just extremely blurred in this between who's good and who's bad the kid is just an absolute tosser like he's just like <laughs> the worst of the worst like uh, what dave said before about uh, probably the best like opening to a review that i've ever heard you know wanting a, a kid in a home invasion to get done it'd be him and he's absolutely <laughs> spot on like if he did get absolutely battered this film would be more enjoyable like <laughs> there's, there's just so many things that they could have improved on in terms of you know the the whole kind of makeup of the cast so yeah like extremely damning from me but i think well deserved i mean you know joel has reviewed some films that he's really hated on this podcast but none of them have ever made him want to see a child be physically beaten up <laughs> Alex, <laughs> do you think it's, before you mention Alex? Sorry, before, do you think it's an age thing? Do you think that the reason we don't associate so much with the Kevin character, you know, with Max, is actually that we're a bit older and we can see that Kevin was a little shit. This kid's a little shit. But if I was a kid now, like watching this for the first time, maybe I think this kid's got it made. He's at home. I, I mean, may, maybe we need to think about that because just remember how. How much Katie's nephew and yeah. niece enjoyed Artemis Fowl when all yeah. the people hated it. Exactly, exactly. That's an awful film, but but kids love it. Honestly, I, I, nobody liked that film. Come on, man. I have to disagree because you know just likability factor. You know when Kevin accidentally steals a toothbrush in the original Home Alone, he feels so guilty. He's like, I'm a criminal as he's walking away because he got scared in the shop and ran away with the toothbrush. This kid willingly steals a soda from someone's home because they told him that he shouldn't have one because there was too much sugar in it. And he willingly steals it. You know, this is not a nice kid. This is not a hero you can get behind. So he deserves to be beaten up, Alex, then, yeah. I'm just shocked by the venom, the venom from the prosecution on this home, <laughs> home sweet home alone. I wasn't, I honestly was, I was unprepared as yeah. I was writing my notes for just, just the, the bile. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, like, one of them's Dave as well. You know what I mean? That's why I'm I know. So surprised. I, I'm just, just bowled over. It's a nice, I liked it. I just had a nice time watching this film. Watching some people like, yeah, the kid's Archie Yates. He's a kid in the film. I'm not, you know, I, I wouldn't say that he's never going to be Kevin McAllister. And I think, again, a little bit like the home invasion part of it, it's done. You've got a kid in it, but it's not the entire focus because it's not Home Alone 1 and 2. You know, I think we need to get past that. It's about, it's more of a story about Pam and Jeff, which is Rob Delaney and Ellie Kemper's character. And they're brilliant in it. They just are. They 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 know what they're doing. They want to be there. I I, I think you know they enjoy. I, you can see they're enjoying making this film, especially with the slapstick. It was really interesting because I was thinking, how are they going to do with that? They did really really well. Like you know, I suppose Joe Pesci wouldn't exactly have seen him as a slapstick actor as well. So they got two actors that really showed that their slapstick chops in this. I suppose. I thought the rest of the cast did a, did, did a fine job. You've got the sort of his in-laws that come over that do a great job of sort of being unlikable. And yeah, it's just a different film to the Home Alone 1 and 2. And I thought I was surprised by how good the casting was um, and just what a good job. They made it an entertaining, fun film. 
that actually sort of brought home. I, it was the more, one of the more Christmassy films I've seen in a while that actually did something. Do you know what I mean? It didn't just rehash the same old stuff. It didn't rehash a Home Alone plot. So I would say that the the cast, you know, likability, they're very likable. That's the whole point of the film is you are behind kind of these people invading this kid's house. You obviously, you don't hate the kid because he's stolen orange soda. That, you know what I mean? That you don't, you don't want him to be beaten up. That's insane. But you, you, you also sort of just want... Um, just call me insane. Yeah. <laughs> you, also want, you also want Ellie Kemper and Rob Delaney to kind of get this doll back and, and to be okay. So it makes very interesting sort of dynamic within the film that is very different from the first two. And, you know, maybe if you went into this thinking, great, I'm going to watch Home Alone 1 and 2 again. I, I think you'd have been disappointed by just having that re that whole plot rehashed. And I think you're getting something a little a little bit more valuable with this one. Okay. Uh, and Dave, just wrapping up, anything else that you want to add about cast and characters and anything that you want to add about the film in general? Is there anything else that you want to say? Is there anybody else you want to offend? <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll tell there's a few ducks lined up in this row. <laughs> I actually feel very sorry for the cast. I really do. I I do think they try. They are they're likable because they're familiar. You know, these are names that we've seen on TV. They've played likable characters before. And, you know, they're giving it their best shot, but the material is not there. And, you know, as, as likable as they are and as, as decent actors as they may be, this gives them nothing to work with whatsoever. There is nothing on the table here. I didn't actually much care for Archie Yates. I liked him in Jojo Rabbit. He wasn't very good in this, I have to say. He's quite wooden, and the delivery of the lines is, is just not good enough. You look back, and he makes Macaulay Culkin look like fucking Olivier. You know? It was... <laughs> um, yeah, a very, a very disappointing show from the cast, really. I mean, they did their best. I blame the director. I blame the writers. I blame everyone who sanctioned the making of this film <laughs> yeah it's like Maybe. alex says you know they try to do something different you know try and do something different from home alone then don't dine out on the franchise you know do something different make an original fresh film if you've got some fresh ideas but they don't they are purely trying to cash in on the name home alone and cash in on the memory of john hughes who isn't here to veto this piece of shit <laughs> Man, uh, we're sorry, John Hughes. I feel like doing a Ouija board after this. Just trying that? to communicate with some positive. You're misunderstanding me. I am def I'm in John Hughes's corner. He and he stands beside me <laughs> condemning. <laughs> oh, so, oh, basically, <laughs> Mickey Mouse went along to John Hughes's grave and just took a huge piss. To be honest with you, that. That's just vulgar and silly. Mickey Mouse can't do that. He's a cartoon character. Bob <laughs> Iger. Bob Iger went on to John Hughes' grave. Now, now listen, like, listen, just in case we do get sued down the line, we are not suggesting that Bob Iger went and defecated on <laughs> John Hughes' grave. Oh, I totally am. I thought that, I thought that was exactly what it we It was a metaphor. Say, yeah? It was a metaphor. <laughs> it's a metaphor. Right. Uh, okay. So any closing arguments? Uh, have we said everything that we want to say? Ozzy has got a small... Oh, sorry, a small point. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to say that, you know, along the lines of what Alex was saying, is that this this film is genuinely Christmassy. I think it actually, it takes something a little bit different for the ending. And it gets a little bit saccharine at times with the ending in that, you know, there's a, there's a way that everybody wins in this. You know, it's not just the police turning up and arresting the um, the baddies because there are, no, there are actually no baddies in this. And I think that's what, is kind of nice about the whole thing is that there are times where you went, you just want everybody to win. 
because we can see the misunderstandings, which is what makes the comedy within this, is that the kid thinks that he's going to get kidnapped and he's the thing that's worth £200,000 when actually it's the doll, you know, and I, I just think it's kind of nice that when it gets through to the ending and, and everybody ends up happy, it's, it's genuinely a nice touch. Genuinely great. Right, well, I've got a lot to consider here. This is Let very me reconsider what I just said there. Genuinely very good. Oh, I've just written down here that you said it was shit. Is I that... said, uh, well, <laughs> I said genuinely great, but what I meant was genuinely very, very good. Oh, oh okay. Oh, bit of a downgrade there. Bit of a yeah, bad one, note. One below, one, below very, one, one below great. Okay. That's all honest I am. Right, I've got a lot of notes collating to do here, so can we have a quiz, please? Yeah, you certainly can. So... After watching this, you know, it's a film, it's a family film about, you know, Christmas and coming together and it's a light family comedy. So I'd done your quiz on home invasions. I thought you were going to do another <laughs> film on, on, on everything John Hughes has done that was so, so incredibly great. Just to memorize. John, John <laughs> Hughes memorial. was incredibly great. I don't need to make a quiz to prove that point. <laughs> okay, question number one. Cherry Tree Lane, a horror thriller about a gang of teens terrorizing an unhappily married couple in their home. The film's title is an allusion to the idyllic suburban life of which family? Ooh, I don't know. What's the film called? Cherry Tree Lane. And Who lived at 17 Cherry Tree Lane? So it's in it, the Brady Bunch? No. Is it from uh, Edward Scissorhands? Scissorhands? No. Uh, Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> <laughs> Cherry Self, Tree Lane is a British, British horror film. That might help you. Paddington Bear. No, you, you're on the right lines, but no. Harry Potter. Gonna, no, it's it's the Banks family from Mary Poppins. Ah. Okay. No. Name any of the three actors who played burglars in Panic Room. You get a point for each, Bam. but you'll get three points if you name the hard one. Bam. Go on, Alex. Forrest Whitaker is all I know. One point. Oh, fucking... Jared Leto. Your friend oh, of mine, shit. Jared Leto. Another and point. It's, it's, the other, uh, it's the other one. It's like Richard Brake, but it's not Richard Brake. It's not Richard Brake. Oh, three Richard points. Brake, I'd be Richard very impressed Brake. if anyone could tell me his name. Oh, I can't remember. It is Dwight Yoakam. Country oh, music star Dwight Yoakam. Of course. Yeah, Dwight Yoakam. Of course. Exactly. Uh, 1996's Fear culminates with abusive boyfriend David McCall, played by Mark Wahlberg, terrorizing Reese Witherspoon and her family in their home. William Peterson played Reese Witherspoon's uh, father. What was the name of his character in the CSI series? Grissom. Oh, yeah. Grissom, that is a point for Joel. It is Gil Grissom. Question number four. Hitchcock Hitchcock tackled home invasions in which 1954 thriller starring Ray Milland and Grace Kelly? Darren Crows? Nope. Rear Window? Nope. I don't know. Don't know either. Dial M for murder. Oh. Question number five. Don't Breathe sees three young burglars attempt to rob blind army veteran Norman Nordstrom, played by Stephen Lang. What kind of dog does Nordstrom own? Uh, Jack Russell. I think it. It's not is it, Jack Russell. Is it a big dog? It cock-a-poo. is. It's not a cockapoo. <laughs> uh, a, a, a German Shepherd. It's not a German Shepherd. It's not a Doberman. It's not a Rottweiler. It's a Rottweiler. Point for Aussie, right there. <laughs> Don't overthink it. The dangerous things. <laughs> in Kubrick's A Clockwork Orange, what song does Alex sing while savagely beating Frank Alexander in his own home? Is it Singing in the Rain? It is Singing in the Rain. That's another point for Gav. In 1997's Funny Games, what unusual technique does Intruder Paul employ 
after homeowner Anna shoots Peter? Uh, oh, I don't know. Something with golf clubs. No. A reach around. No. <laughs> <laughs> I've not got anything better than that. So no, no. Physically rewinding the film itself and preventing it from shooting him in the first place. Ah. Yeah. Strange, strange, yeah, quite, no, quite memorable. That. Yeah, Bruce Willis plays former hostage negotiator Jeff Talley in which 2005 film? Bam! Hostage. It is hostage. That's another point for Gav right there. I'm, uh, I'm most looking forward to when Alex wins the quiz at the end of this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Russian gangsters inadvertently unleash hell after breaking into the house of John Wick in order to steal his car, killing his dog in the process. What's the name of his dog? Oh, Lucky. No. Obi? No. Is it an Italian name? No. No. Oh, because it clues Eve. Girl's name, it's also the name of a... Samantha. I'd say flower. Iris. A flower that's often mistaken for a weed. Oh, Daisy. Daisy, that's a point for Ozzy right there. And finally, the cat in the hat was met by mixed reviews. (laughs) (laughs) Why have we never seen another live-action adaptation of Dr. Seuss's book? Alex, didn't the estate banned any live action after Mike Myers's try at the cat? <laughs> yeah, Dr. Seuss's widow, Audrey Geisel, has legally forbidden it after viewing the cat in the hat. Quite right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean if know. only so many other people would do what she did. I know. Maybe I, know. John Probably, <laughs> I wish they had. You know what? They if might John, consider John Hughes's right family now. needs that money, man. They need that money. <laughs> Once again, another apology to George Hughes's family. <laughs> and well done. The quiz was won by Ozzy and Gav, Ozzy and Alex with two points. And uh, Gav comes in second with three. <laughs> <laughs> I can feel the formal complaint coming on (laughs) okay right now i will try not to let that affect my judgment here now i love home alone i love home alone too as well i love the whole franchise and this does sound like it has the blueprints to a very good home alone film it's very Christmassy. There's a nice family feel to it, especially at the end. I imagine there's this big reconciliation scene. It seems like there are a few good lines and that the cast is very talented and th- throwing buzz at the end there for good measure. On one hand, I like the idea of making the bad guys the sympathetic, relatable characters and having the kids as the unlikable one. But on the other hand, by having such nice characters as the villains, I think that you lose the peril and the danger. And I feel like, I don't know, it would blur the lines a bit. In the original two, or the, the first two, you had these villains that you wanted to see them get their comeuppance. You wanted to see them be hurt by all of these traps. But seeing Pam and Jeff fall and fall to these traps seems difficult to watch because they're so nice. and um, Maybe we don't want to see them get hurt. And although it does sound like there is a very talented cast I have to ask the question, are they fully utilised? It sounds like, although there are a few good lines there, maybe the dialogue and the comedy aren't really that much up to scratch. So it seems that the comedy's a bit stale, maybe. Maybe the traps aren't believable, which, if the traps aren't believable, I think it draws you out of the film a little bit because you're thinking, 
what why well, you know like that that, that, that couldn't be yeah, the case it, it really undercuts that gritty realize realism of home alone one and two doesn't it <laughs> that, yes that, yes <laughs> that you know we've all we've all made a knob so hot that it can burn your hands which you then put in snow but then also you've got stuff like standing on a glass bauble or standing on a spike or getting hit in the face with a tin can you know and all i'm saying is as to not to offend the spirit of john hughes i think I'm, although it does sound like i actually would enjoy this film i think i'm making the sensible decision here and put this on no, 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 <laughs> you are completely misguided. Right. Okay. Let's find out our genuine opinions then. So, Ozzy. I actually enjoyed it. Genuinely thought it was funny. Like, Ozzy, it, have it, you been off work today? No, no, I got <laughs> home early and then put this straight on. And it was, were you drinking uh, wine while you were watching yeah, it? Yeah, it, it's done. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like you've drunk quite a bit of wine there, so maybe that's why you enjoyed it. No, but honestly, you really enjoyed it, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was actually really good. Yeah, I mean, at first I thought it was a bit shit. Then I had two glasses of wine and thought it was. <laughs> 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 no, but no, actually, I think it's. Um, I think it's quite funny. It's a kids' film, and, okay. but it's lighthearted and it's good. It's better. I think it's better than Home Alone One. Oh, Joel, is it better than Home Alone One? I, I just feel like we should just kick Ozzy off the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so I imagine you were being very genuine with your opinion, Joel, or was it exaggerated at all? No, I think I was quite genuine. Like It is an absolutely terrible film. Although Ozzy and uh, Alex are right in terms of like there are some jokes for adults. Like how many kids' films are like that? You watch like The Incredibles or anything like that, and there's always like... You know those layered jokes that adults can understand that yeah. might go over kids' heads. So it's it's just kind of like that, but it is genuinely terrible. Like there's just absolutely nothing about the film. And you know, again, Ozzy and Alex mentioned about like we shouldn't compare it to Home Alone One all the time, but they try and compare it to Home Alone One. You know, there's there's little cameos and stuff like we mentioned Buzz, like they hark back to things that happen in Home Alone One. So you can't really separate the two. And everything that made Home Alone 1 and 2 great is just not in this film. So, yeah, I just thought, like, it was a waste of time. Like, I can see why people want to watch it, you know, because it's like a modern take on it, but they'll watch it and then it'll just be completely forgotten about. So, yeah, trash. Okay. Dave, genuine opinion? Genuine is, opinion. is John Hughes spinning as rapidly <laughs> in his grave as you... Covered <laughs> in that racist piss. He bloody <laughs> should be. My God. This is terrible. Absolutely, I, I meant everything I say. This oh, is wow. absolutely awful. But how dare they put John Hughes's name on this? Genuinely. Uh, <laughs> the man is not here to defend himself and they've, they've attached his name to this horrendous piece of shit of a film that never should have been funded. You know, this is it's an absolute abomination of a film. It's absolutely awful. It's one of the worst things that Disney Plus, I think, I've ever put out. Wow. It is god-awful. Okay. I was going to say that John Hughes, isn't he the guy who did National Lampoon's Christmas? He is, yeah. That's not yeah. the fucking the greatest writer <laughs> in the world, you know what I mean? Right. Let's not get onto this topic again. Right? If anybody wants to know how this ends, let's check out our trial of National Lampoon's Christmas. It was an injustice. Um, right. Let's a do Alex. it again right now. <laughs> no, no, no. Moving on. Moving on. Alex, uh, this is the interesting one. Your genuine opinion? I quite liked it. Like, I did. <laughs> I... I did. I, I'm like, I, I didn't actually exaggerate pretty much anything. I was wow. shocked when I was hearing the just the passion and the hatred that was coming <laughs> from Joel and Dave. I just didn't think it was 
that offensive yeah. if i'm honest especially to john hughes i just didn't <laughs> i didn't feel like it was that insulting to his memory i'd, I'd be very interested I'd, i'll be honest as well and we'll find do this in a second I looked up what the ratings are on. I just as I was looking for the things, I, fast, I looked at the ratings on IMDb and, and that, and I was shocked at that as well. I, I think I'll it's have a check to be honest. Yeah, yeah, have a look. It kind of backs up Dave and Joel. So I was kind of after I'd seen that, I was like, "Am I nuts here? Like, I quite enjoyed this <laughs> film. Like, am I? What the hell is wrong with me?" So oh. I, I am very interested to see what you think of this film. I had very low expectations when do I, know, I'm, I'm do you know what, Alex? It, yeah. Do you know what it sounds like? It sounds like you've spent too much time with me and you're finally being able to see the good and shit films. Next, Maybe. you're going to be telling me how much you love no. Tango and Cash on Halloween 3. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like a, it wasn't kind of like a kitsch. Or wow. it wasn't a, I, I was just watching it and thinking, you know, I had very low expectations. It was on in the afternoon and I was like, I cannot be asked watching Home Sweet Home Alone, some sort of like cheap cash in. And then I started enjoying it. And then by the end, I thought it was okay. I'm not devastated it's on the shit list because I wouldn't like, you know what I mean? I wouldn't like hang my hat and say this is this film must be on the hit list. But I thought it was decent and I enjoyed it. And I'll, I, I, I could definitely see myself watching this again at some point. So, yeah, I thought it was all right. Sounds to me, Alex, like you've had, you know, like one of those epiphanies when you saw the, the ratings on IMDb. You're like, fuck, Joel was right all along. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you one. One possibility is that I did watch it in a room I've recently painted. So I might just be enough my tits. On the <laughs> so Ozzy was pissed and Bruce Lee was high. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was high. Yeah. That's the only possibility. I, wow. I, want to, I desperately want to know what you think. But I, I have heard that but... you constantly decorate Gav. This should be fine for you. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but you know what? I'm like, I, I, I like anything, to be honest. And I've just checked out the scores and they are brutal. So higher or lower than our previous film on trial, which was Red Notice, which received 36% critical and 92% audience scores. I, why on, don't on we tomatoes. do higher or lower than Bone Alone? I think that's a harder challenge. I don't think anything hmm. could be lower than Bone Alone, to be honest. I think it's what was Bone Alone? I don't think Bone Alone got a rating because <laughs> we're the only five people who've ever watched it. <laughs> Four of us are under duress. And, and I, think only, and I, have, I was going to say, and I think only Gav and I have watched it more than once. Oh, shit. <laughs> I tell you right now, higher or lower than Hobo, the Bone Alone? Lower. I think I'm it's gonna, actually I'm going to go for lower as well. I'm going to go lower. Lower, oh, yeah, I bet it is. But it shouldn't be. And I tell you what, more people will have watched this. And they still couldn't boost it. Got to, oh, so Bone Alone got 21% audience score. And Home Alone, Home Sweet Home Alone, sorry, got 12%. Wow. Well, Bone Alone's I'm, a classic I'm, compared to this. I can't, I, just, I can't wait to watch it, to be honest. I, I just don't, it's I awful. don't get that. It's, it's, not don't, nearly, it's not nearly as bad as that. And that's one of the reasons no. why I watched it in full. Because I couldn't find a good enough set of reviews to justify defending it <laughs> <laughs> without, without watching it from my own with my own two eyes and uh, okay and it's actually quite good like it's genuinely quite good it's not um, nearly as offensive as 12 percent would make out you know what we always say about new releases they always come out of the gate pretty high <laughs> with a lot of with a lot of goodwill and with yeah. a lot of people a lot of fans high, yeah, high or low to be fair because if you come out and you're doing a sequel of a classic all of the diehards are straight in there yeah, yeah let's not forget the treatment that 2016 Ghostbusters received. And anyway, before we get mm. on to that one, if you want to know the verdict for that, check out our <laughs> trial of Ghostbusters. Yeah. Uh, so uh, all I'm going to say is thank you very much for your very passionate arguments 
especially Dave, <laughs> who seems like he's defended the entire John Hughes estate here. <laughs> John <laughs> deserved better, <laughs> especially at Christmas. <laughs> uh, uh, so I would like to say thank you very much to everybody who's listened to this episode. Really do appreciate every single one of you listening. And if you want to hear more films on trial content, check out filmsontrial.co.uk. Why not leave us a lovely five-star rating on Apple Podcasts? Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube Films on Trial or Twitter at Film Trials. So what have we learned today, guys? Well, maybe that John Hughes is a very angry spirit. And maybe the cast of Home Sweet Home Alone might want to leave this off their CV for future auditions. And finally, I think that maybe Bone Alone needs to be revised again. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's it. Home Sweet Home Alone is a shit. And we're going to be in your ears next week with West Side Story, the original. So, goodbye. You don't seem very happy today, Gareth. You know what? I was in a perfectly fine mood before. And now, all of these shenanigans and then having to pour with your fucking face. Language. Really tip me over the edge. You know what is going to make this all better for you is when you get to watch this film after. <laughs> <laughs>